by for Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors with your host, Drew Kirby. Hey, this is Luke Holmes. I am Morgan Wallen. I'm Riley Green. I'm Travis Denning. Hey, I'm Aaron Lewis. Hey, it's Luke Bryan. I'm Tim McGraw. What's up? This is Ian Munsick. Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. Oh, it's Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors. What a great time to be alive, Janet. It's hunting season, fishing season, and just great outdoor season. What can go wrong in the fall in Wyoming? You're spot on, Drew. (laughs) This is the best ever. We have got a lot of talk through the year about uh, boating and boating safety and uh, what you need to do with your boat on the water. And one of those things is make sure that you have your decal for the aquatic invasive species. And this week we're touching on something that's not aquatic, but yet still invasive. And Jan and I know that and Jan and I know that there are things in Wyoming that could really hurt what we love to do in the outdoors. Not only could they cause issues, they do cause issues. And I have with us here today Brian Connolly, who is with the Natrona County Weed and Pest. He's the supervisor out there. At least for two more months, we're going to lose him, it sounds like, to retirement. And if you could see the smile on his face right now, (laughs) I think those of you that are retired would appreciate how happy he is. But those of us who still work are not happy to be losing such a wealth of knowledge and a resource. Um, Brian's here to talk with us about all of those species that are bad, and then we can talk about what we can do as outdoorsmen and hunters. Let's all of a sudden get in our little magic drone, and we're going to just go up. We're at 10,000 feet. We're at 20,000 feet. We're at 30,000 feet, and we're looking at this earth, and we're saying, hmm, why are invasive species, both aquatic and terrestrial, why are they a problem? Well, E.O. Wilson, he figured it out. He figured the five leading causes of animal decline and extinction in the world. And we, my gosh, we all care about animal decline and extinction, don't we, as hunters, as anglers, etc. The five leading causes of animal decline and extinction in the world can be remembered by the monomic hippo, H-I-P-P-O, right? Number one reason for animal decline and extinction in the world is habitat destruction. We all know that. You put in a parking lot, you've got no sage grouse, right? Uh, You cut down the rainforest, no critters. So that's an easy one. That's the second one is one of the hardest to recognize, and that's invasive species. The second leading cause of animal decline and extinction in the world are invasive species. So to know invasive species, I guess, in the environment, oftentimes is by recognizing what's supposed to be there. What's supposed to be there is evolved over millennia those different relationships, ecological relationships, these invasive get get in, they disrupt those relationships, uh, occupied ground, take over, outproduce, outcompete, et cetera, our native species. And of course, that's the cornerstone, especially in the plant community. Uh, It's the only critter on the planet that can take the sun's energy and convert it into what we're looking for, all of us. And uh, invasive species are a huge issue an unrecognized issue. What is the problem? Well, it's humans. That, in a nutshell, is what spreads invasive species. Us, with our wheeled vehicles, with our lug boots, with our uh, catch-every-burr-on-the-planet clothing, right? So we spread, and agriculture, so we spread invasive species. So we need to learn to recognize, one, uh, uh, the 
relevant and uh, important invasives in our area and assure that we, one, try not to drive through the patch on the way to our favorite mule deer habitat so we don't spread those invasives into that habitat. And we also need to take some precautions for those times that we inadvertently track seeds, which we all do. So, you know, the uh, play, clean, go uh, campaign is all about making sure that we wash our vehicles, our pet, uh, comb our pets out, all that stuff, uh, and uh, uh, brush the lugs out of our boots so that we don't spread these species. So, Brian, you had mentioned that, uh, you know, our cars, our boots, and us walking through all these areas, basically what spreads it. Uh, one of the things that I'd like to, to ask about is, obviously, when the horse-drawn carriages and, you know, they, they were settling here in Wyoming, they weren't sure what they were getting at that point. And do we look back that far as to guys from Nebraska that are moving out this way or bringing some of those seeds on their horse or on their boots? Is, is that where we started getting into these problems? Absolutely. Uh, and back then, it wasn't those uh, wooden-wheeled uh, conveyances that were bringing it. It was great-grandpa Schmetics heirloom wheat seed from Russia, right? Much of that early infestation happened as contaminant in agricultural seed. Now that it's ubiquitous, now that some of these invasive uh, species have been become established, they are tracked by us now. You can liken it to a to a fire. So you have this wildfire that starts, right? Uh, what do you do? Do you go to the center of the fire and fight it? Actually, what you really have to pay attention to is those satellite fires, those embers that are coming off of the fire and landing uh, five miles downrange, five miles downwind. So those little satellite populations that then grow uh, to be the big fire, that is what we're trying to control now. It's here. It's here to stay. It cannot be eradicated. It can be controlled. Obviously, this is something you've dealt with for many years. You know exactly what you're looking at when you go out and you're like, oh, I got to go around that because I don't want to track that into the next acre of land. But for the common Joe who probably doesn't sit and study these seeds, what can we look for? It's all about educating yourself. What are the 25 species of invasive weeds on the Wyoming state designated list. We can go to wyoweed.org. And on that website, we can see the pictures. If we see a plant out of place, uh, there are apps available. Picture this is one that we use to take a picture of it and save that picture. And then when you get in uh, range, uh, in internet coverage, then you can use an app. You can go to wildweed.org and you can start to identify it. There's only a baker's dozen that we're really concerned about in Wyoming or in say Natrona County. So you don't have to learn 25 species and uh, maybe get verification from somebody else that knows about it. So Brian, we've talked about not spreading the uh, invasive weeds. What's the repercussions if 
these weeds start spreading in places that they're not already. It all boils down. The Game and Fish had a great bumper sticker. I wish they stayed, uh, still made it. It was uh, Habitat's where it's at. It's about Habitat Stupid. We learn in hunter safety classes, et cetera, that Habitat dictates the carrying capacity for any critter we want we uh, uh, want to look at, and darn sure any critter that uh, maybe a hunter angler cares about. It's about habitat, and habitat is degraded by invasive species. Period. So that's what that's the bottom line. So when the habitat is challenged, then that goes in and really takes the toll on the wildlife that now is having to deal with all of this stuff that maybe they don't want to eat, right? Right. If you've ever driven to uh, DIA, Denver International Airport, and uh, you've seen that prairie ground that has been plowed repeatedly and now is kind of uh, urban, uh, rural, residential, whatever that's called out there, and those just absolute acres of field bindweed, looks like morning glory, a very... Uh, vine-like habitat. That's pretty much all that grows out there. And I've never seen an elk out there. Uh, never seen a mule deer. It, it's very obvious. But one of the things you brought up just there, Brian, is is a lot of times these invasives are gorgeous plants, right? Mm-hmm. You look at them and they're beautiful and they're blooming these big, you know, purple blossoms or these big yellows. I'm thinking of like Dalmatian toad flax, like oh, how yeah. everybody runs around and is like, those are the most beautiful flowers ever. But pretty soon when that's all that there is and it's a monoculture out there and nothing else will grow or, you know, then it can't, that habitat can't support anything else. It is detrimental. It's pretty to look at, but that's all you're going to look at. Mm -hmm. And so, so thinking of those things too, is that, you know, when we talk about invasives, it's not just something that's ugly or spiky or bad. Those seems, that seems to be what comes to mind, but, you know, um, purple loose strife, all of those things that are just gorgeous. So learning about what is good and what is bad is always important. Brian did mention a couple of the apps and websites to go and and check out. And and if you give those to us one more time so people can go and put it in their phone now, even if they're not uh, able to to learn more. Great, Drew. So that's uh, uh, wildweed.org. It's the Wyoming Weed and Pest uh, Council's website. A complete list of not only the state designated, actually, but the county declared. And uh, then picture this app is a plant uh, picture ID. And we have to be a little careful there. I don't know, maybe 70% accurate, depending on the picture. So, uh, yeah. Um, and just educating yourself, I think, uh, about the habitat, which I've found makes you a better hunter. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Knowing your surroundings, always a good thing. Yeah. And I think something to walk away as well as you guys can recognize now the wealth of knowledge and um, support system that the weed and pest has in Natrona County. And don't hesitate, just like we always say about us, reach out and call. You know, Brian and his team are here to help. And so if you have any questions, whether you're a landowner, a hunter, a gardener, don't hesitate to give them a call and find out Um, they're here to help. So uh, a quote from Aldo Leopold, uh, that's always a good one says the danger in an ecological education is that one lives alone in a world full of wounds. Damage to the land is often invisible to the layman. Maybe that's appropriate, huh? 
There you very go. Good. I feel very educated today on the show. Not that I don't normally, Janet, because you're always a, a full head of steam. But uh, well, apparently, I need to to start memorizing some quotes to to whip out and to help educate you, Drew. <laughs> well, you do that, Janet. Don't waste too much time, though. All right. Thank you again, Brian. And uh, as always, thank you so much, Janet. We're back with the show in minutes. It's Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors. Drew and Brian Woodward back. Rocky Mountain Discount Sports, your one-stop shop for everything hunting, fishing, and outdoor lovers need. <laughs> Brian, we laugh about it a lot because we've all been kind of geared up uh, to the first part of September because there's so much stuff going. The first part has come and gone. We're already into the second week, and boy, I've seen some pictures of some pretty large elk that have been uh, taken down already. Yeah, it's been uh, fairly impressive. Guys seem to have been uh, pretty successful, and uh, kind of depending on what part of the state guys are in, that you know the elk are, are screaming pretty good in certain areas and pretty quiet in others. So, uh, yeah, we're seeing some nice animals, and uh, now you know just a few weeks away from most rifle seasons opening up. Yeah, I, and I'll tell you that yeah, there's still time if you're kind of teetering on whether or not to get a new rifle or come in and, and see about new optics. I mean, you might as well come on in and, and check it out at least. I mean, you're not going to force it on them, but you're going to be able to give them knowledge. Yeah, you're right. There's still plenty of time. You know, if a guy wants to throw some new optics on and uh, we're going to get it leveled and bore sighted and mounted it for him uh, just just fine. And whether you're heading over to Wyoming Gun Company to use their indoor range or if you're heading out to Stuckenoffs, um, you know, there's some, some good time to still get things sighted in. So, Brian, another thing that a lot of people debate on and and i've heard this debate a lot is camo do you need a proper camo or i mean does an elk that's 700 yards away gonna be able to see you know that you're not wearing a certain type of camo we've kind of talked in the past about you know just being prepared for the type of hunting that you're going to do you know if you're going to be driving around in a uh, pickup truck and uh, shooting from one ridge to another uh, you know, probably the camo is not really that important, right? right? I mean, lots of ranchers will tell you they've shot a lot of deer and coyotes, you know, in blue jeans and coveralls or yeah. whatever the oh, case yeah. is. So, um, yeah, it really kind of just really depends on the type of hunting you're going to be doing. If you're going to be doing a spot and stock type of scenario, yeah, absolutely, you need some camo. You know, one thing that I really enjoy about today's modern camo is comfort. I mean, because that makes a big deal. Even if you you don't care what the camel pattern is, boy, they're just like wearing running pants. And a lot of them even have the built-in knee pads so that if you are going to hunt and stalk. Yeah, you know, and each one of those different manufacturers, you know, they all fit kind of differently. So it's always nice to have some options where you can try on different uh, manufacturers, whether it's Kings or whether it's whoever else it is, Badlands. Uh, make sure you can kind of try them on, just see how they fit. Make sure you can move around the way you need to move around, uh, especially if you're archery hunting. A lot of times you're crawling around on the ground and getting into position and moving into position. So uh, the knee pads are kind of nice. Um, sometimes they're a little bulky for a guy that's just running around in a truck. Right. So Yeah. And then obviously the next step down would be the boots, which we've talked a lot about boots over the last couple of years. But that is pretty important because you want to get the pair that's right for your foot because you don't want to get a blister out in the middle of you know the backcountry. 
Yeah, and whether or not you you know get an insulated pair or light lightly insulated pair, non insulated, you know, uh, depending on the type of hunting you're going to be doing. If you're you know we don't have a lot of tree stands here, so a lot of times we don't really need the high you know 1200 gram of insulate or insulation. Uh, but you know we're going to be do more, doing more walking, so a lot of times I just get get by with a two or four hundred grain um, gram uh, insulation or a no non insulated boot. Again, you know, followed up by a nice pair of uh, wicking uh, socks that'll keep your feet dry. Uh, pretty important. And then once you harvest your animal, whether it's an antelope, a deer, an elk, or even birds, uh, having the right processing, you know, options after you make the kill. Yeah, you know, we had one of the, one of the guys here at the store, uh, one of our employees this weekend, actually shot an elk on I don't know Saturday morning or something like that, and. Uh, come to find out all the local processors were closed for the holiday weekend. Oh, wow, yeah. And so uh, that's something, I mean, we didn't really expect that to be a problem, but there have been times where the processors are just full, right? They might have to wait two or three or four days. And so trying to figure out how you're going to handle that that animal uh, so it doesn't spoil before you can get it into a a processor, uh, obviously, when it's 80 degrees outside, that makes it a lot more of a challenge. So, you know, having the right size cooler and, and blocks of ice or however you're going to handle that, uh, just so you don't ruin that meat. Even go step further than that, if you want to do the processing yourself, I mean, it's easy to kind of come in and one felt swoop, just knock out all the equipment you need. Yeah, you know, and it's kind of nice when you, you know, got a, a couple of buddies that are, you're hunting with and you guys can maybe split the costs on a, a grinder and some of the meat processing equipment that you'll need. Um, it pays for itself out pretty pretty quickly. Uh, pretty easy to make hamburger, right? Right. Um, sometimes, you know, I, I always joke, I'm not sure if I know exactly the right cut of, you know, steaks and whatnot. But after you've done it for a few times, you kind of recognize, you know, the, how to cut against or with the grain of the, the animal. Um, and then just processing it, then you get to kind of mix your suet so that you've got a, you know, the blend of, you know, whether it's 80, 20, 90, 10, whatever that case is, um, you and your buddy can kind of figure that out and you get some, uh, butcher paper and you wrap it yourself, you know, get some stamps and stamp, you know, elk burger, elk steaks, whatever it is. So it's, it's kind of, it's kind of nice to at least, you know, have that, um, opportunity to, to process it yourself and, and know that you're handling it and how it was handled. You know, we've talked a a lot about how after the hunt, what you do. And, you know, I've been sitting in bed at night sometimes thinking I haven't slept very well lately. (laughs) And I think this is the reason of what am I going to do with this meat? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, what's the the options that you could do if you end up processing yourself? And what spices do I want to use? I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. But the best part is you guys have almost everything you need right here in the store. Yeah, you know, uh, we whether you want to do uh, snack sticks or breakfast sausage or whether you're just, you know, going to make jerky. Now, there's a ton of different uh, spices out there. The nice part is when you're doing it yourself, like, you can kind of take some time, you know. So, you know, you might do a bunch of burger that just doesn't have any suet in it because that's what you're going to use to make jerky out of. But then, you know, you, you've, you're planning on, you know, 10 or 20 pounds of breakfast sausage. So you, you kind of prepare that, you know, so it's ready to go. Kind of Kind of fun. And that's the best part is we don't do all this because we hate it, you know, right? right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a labor of love, I guess. You know, you, yeah. I mean, you enjoy what you do and uh, to be able to, you know, put, put meat in your freezer and uh, make sure that it's uh, processed and stored properly, uh, it's kind of rewarding. And Rocky Mountain Discount Sport is uh, obviously the, the place you can come and get it all taken care of. It's Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors. 
Brian, we're kind of going to shift gears a little bit, talk a lot about hunting and processing, which is top of mind, but also it's still a great time to fish. Boy, we've had great weather lately, and it's kind of paying off for anybody that's out on the water. Yeah, you know, this last week, you know, they uh, had Wednesday off, and temperature was just like perfect i think maybe you know in the morning it was like high 50s 57 if i remember right yeah and uh we got out and did a little uh, testing on the uh, raven crossbow and, and and worked with that a little bit but then uh the afternoon boy it was like in that 80 like 75 to 80 and overcast a little bit and it was really a nice day and uh, outside of a little bit of wind but uh yeah we've we've got some great weather now and it's and even probably better coming up and i know that people worry toward the end of summer because the water levels but it does this every year i mean the water Mm -hmm. gets pumped out and sent elsewhere uh and that doesn't affect the number of fish that are really you know in say uh at glendo or over at boyson yeah you know the only thing that uh, i mean it does does make the fish transition a little bit you know so uh, they're out of the weeds. A lot of times they're out of the rocks. But uh, really the biggest concern is, especially if you haven't been on the water, when it has this uh, low water levels, is that uh, a lot of times, you know, you're going to see some obstructions that you hadn't seen before. So Pathfinder, you know, Jaws is now exposed. Uh-huh. And on last week, Jaws was like six inches above the above the surface so if there's a little bit of a breeze on there you may not see it and it's a good way to take out a lower unit but as long as you're smart and you're not uh you know ripping down shorelines at pathfinder you know you can you can come in from the main lake and go up to a shoreline and once you're once you're there you can work that shoreline you can see those rocks you can see some of those structures and you don't necessarily have to be afraid or, or too worried about them but you just have to be smart just like any other time uh, a lot less um, play boats out this time of year. You know, kids are back in school. So generally what you see this time of year is just, you know, people that want to fish. We have kind of talked not as much this summer about the, the river fishing because it was, it's was it been pretty muddy all mm-hmm. summer long. And have you heard of any conditions improving there when it comes to the, the clarity? Yeah. Um, actually, last week I was um, out uh, doing a little bit of uh, maintenance on my duck blind. And uh, there was a couple guys uh, uh, drifting the river and one of the, one of the guides I knew. And uh, they had a pretty decent morning. I think they said, you know, they had uh, 10 or 12 fish that morning, and then they were getting ready to go back up to uh, uh, Gray Reef. They were kind of doing two ha- like two half days, you know, uh, same clients, but they were, you know, shuttling them back up and just working that upper stretch of uh, from below Gray Reef. Uh, I think the water clarity is getting better. Uh, they're not seeing we're not seeing as many afternoon th- thunderstorms, and so we don't have a bunch of uh, mud dumping into the river. But uh, they are starting to fight, you know, water temperatures or, or, you know, got pretty warm there for a while. And then, you know, generally this time of year, you know, the moss starts growing pretty good and you got, you know, some silt and sediment buildup. So um, some of that slack water gets a little bit harder to fish, um, just not as much fun. So oxygenated water generally holds generally holds fish better. So look for those those ripples and those runs, and uh, that's where you're going to find the fish. Brian, I know you said that there's some uh, tournaments still coming through here with uh, walleye. Yeah, uh, the last one that I know of in the area is going to be up at Keyhole Reservoir on uh, September 30th, and that's the Northeast Wyoming Walleye Association. That's their fall tournament. Great group of guys up there, uh, great organization. Uh, Keyhole's got some great fish. Um, It's always entertaining to go up there because you can catch quite a few different species of fish. You know, they've got northern uh, pike up there. 
uh, they've got uh, crappie and perch and and walleye. So uh, it's it's kind of fun. You never know what you're going to catch. And I always like the opportunity to get into a, a good mess of crappie up there. So that should be a fun tournament. I think you just go to their Facebook page and they've got an application on there. Tournament wise, for the most part, the summer's summer's dwindling down. So. And then it'll be uh, hog derby time before we know it. Oh and, boy, uh, yeah, that that usually happens the end of January, right? First week of February, somewhere yeah. in there. So we'll be uh, on 30 inches of ice down at yeah. Pathfinder. Yeah, well, uh, make sure you get in here and check it out. And don't forget that you can fish, you know, right on through the fall time and still be successful. Yeah, it's going to be um, a great, great time of year. You tend to have less people on the water. Um, gosh, I, I, I've had my boat on the water in December down at Glendo. So uh, the fishing usually still stays strong uh, all the way up to the first ice on. So don't be afraid to get out there and enjoy yourself. It's Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors. Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors is back. Of course, you can listen to all of our podcast and all of our shows on demand at the radio station's app. Just click that on demand button and we have all of our shows from the very beginning up there. And today, uh, we love to give you opportunities here in uh, Wyoming and on Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors and Rare Waters is one of these opportunities, I think, that a lot of people wish that we would have thought of because it seems like such a helpful, beneficial uh, tool to be able to use. But it's basically your exclusive online fishing adventure booking site. Think of Airbnb, but for the outdoors. And the CEO is RJ Hosking, and he's with us this morning. And RJ, man, this is such a cool opportunity for anglers that maybe you're looking for a new opportunity in uh, in the rocky mountain area yeah yeah thanks Drew, for having me you guys have have uh, kind of been rolling around with this since about two, 2019 so it really is fairly new still to to folks and uh, you guys have some different properties all throughout the rocky mountains and over into oregon yeah yeah that's that's exactly right um you know, Rare Waters started uh, really in, in Denver, Colorado. Um, it's kind of where during the ideation phase and kind of the business developed. So most of our properties are actually in the greater Denver area. Um, and then recently in the last year, we've expanded west and have gone pretty much west of the Rockies. And we're, we're, in, we're in a handful of states now, California, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Wyoming, um, Colorado, obviously and montana um and there's a handful of more states coming on board very very shortly so it's been a, a kind of an industry disruptive uh benefits both landowners and anglers and and we're really known as kind of the airbnb for the fly fish industry the way that this basically works is folks can go to your website which is uh, rarewaters.com and go to all of those states you had just mentioned and search properties that uh, you can basically book a fishing trip on and there's camping available on a lot of these areas and uh, different amenities are close to a lot of these areas. But this basic idea is like you had mentioned, the Airbnb of, of fly fishing. Do you guys personally have connections with all of these properties and ranches that folks are able to secure the locations or is this something that just kind of was built up as a relationship yeah that's a great great uh question drew generally 
most of our landowners that we've partnered with, they're really just a, they're a, they're a new relationship, but we, we truly value them as, as partners because they're kind of the, the lifeblood of the business. Um, and they find out about us through a handful of different avenues, but we have some folks that reach out to us directly that they hear about uh, our company and the brand. And then we also reach out, reach out to potential landowners based on properties and um, what we know about the watersheds that may be running through their private uh, private land. So, it it's a it's a mix of both. But but generally, you know, like we have sales reps um, across the West that link up with these uh, said landowners, and we we really actually don't even call them sales reps. They're actually um, our we call them landowner uh, partnership reps because the partnership is so important for us. Right, we're we're in it for the for the for the long haul. And we bring a ton of value to, to a lot of our landowners um, in the fact that we can provide a fairly significant amount of passive income for some of these landowners, which is, which is fantastic. Um, it can help pay for property taxes, you know, fences, road, ranch hands, you name it. And so we come alongside these landowners as true partners in, in, in the business. And so, so we, we provide that opportunity for for set anglers as well. So, so it's a pretty, it's a pretty great two-sided marketplace business and um, it's been received really well on both sides. As we had mentioned at the beginning, Rare Waters is uh, who we're talking to. Uh, RJ Hosking is the CEO and you guys are, are fairly new into Wyoming, which, you know, I mean, is there's the sky's the limit at this point. I know you have some properties that are available in the, the Southern part near Rollins and then up in uh, snake river area. So really there's a lot of Wyoming that uh, is still available to be, I guess, found to have some of these uh, properties that maybe they're just looking for that extra income and, and the output there. But uh, do you guys foresee Wyoming being one of the bigger opportunities uh, here in the near future? That's a great question. You know, when, when you look at it by state across the nation, um, Wyoming's got incredible stretches stretches of water, incredible fish. Um, and I, I do see Wyoming being one of our largest players. And the proximity to, you know, to the home base in Denver is is important, especially like south of Casper, right? Right. You, know, you, can, you can fish in many Wyoming properties within a three-hour drive from Denver. And so Wyoming is definitely in that, you know, in, in that in that space. Um, so I do see us opening, you know, we have a handful of properties that we recently just landed in the last week or two um, that are based in Wyoming. That's super exciting. I can't quite share where they're at yet, but there's some there's some pretty epic spots coming on board in just in just a matter of next week. And, you know, we just really started opening those doors and, and those gates up, up, up in your neck of the woods. The, the way that you guys work, basically, you know, you do the hard part by finding that stretch of, of river that, uh, you know, you have the exclusive rights to for your day or two days or a week or however many, you know, you decide to go for. Yeah. Now, when it, it comes into really getting in here, that's all you do. Like you're the, the middleman that finds the land, but people have to be responsible for, for themselves. It's not like you're taking care of them and really helping them get the, the job done. You're absolutely correct. We're essentially a platform that links both the angler and the landowner together. Just like a VRBO or Airbnb or HipCamp, we're a very similar tech platform um, that people can use. It's really, it's actually very intuitive, very easy to use. An angler can go on, um, rarewaters.com, click on, you know, by, you can search by state or by property type. 
um, and look at the amenities that are available. Half of our properties allow um, camping overnight, which is which is fantastic, and it's very reasonable. It's, I think it's about fifty dollars to camp overnight per vehicle. Um, and some of our properties also have lodging. So depending on you know the particular state, I don't believe we have any lodging in Wyoming right now, but um, but that that will change shortly. And you know, and then and then about half of our properties are day use only, but they're you know a short drive from Denver, some of the major towns. Um, it, it's a neat deal, and if you've never done it, I highly recommend it. Um, you know, it's really easy to book online. Some of these properties that we have, you know, you can quickly see you know the reviews of real of of our you know of our anglers that have used it, so you get a really good idea how good the fishery is, what the property is like, um, and we have a set of criteria when we vet a property out, we're very particular on the properties that we partner with and the landowners we partner with, you know, we're, we're, we're looking for those very special pieces of land and water. Um, and if they don't meet our criteria, then, then we often pass. And so the properties that we actually put on there, we're not land grabbing by any means. We, we really want to create that special experience. When people think of a rare waters property, they know that they're just going to have a fantastic, super special experience. You know, what, what I'm foreseeing here is an, an easy platform to really have a fishing adventure, like I'd mentioned at the beginning, where maybe you fish a, a day in Colorado, a day in Wyoming, a day in Montana and in Idaho, and make really a, a, a trip out of it, experiencing as much fishing across the Rocky Mountains and, and west as you can. And I know, RJ, you guys are really – in the development and early stages of this program, but I think that uh, things are really looking good for the future. You know, when I, when I came on board last year, we, we had roughly about 21 properties, mostly in Colorado. And within a matter of about a year, we've more than doubled that. I think we're about 55 or 60 properties right now. And we're, we're on target to hit about a hundred properties this year. And we've had a lot of people knock on our, on our door about, you know, opening up in the East Coast and east of the Rockies, but we've been very hyper focused in in a couple critical areas to really build the business model out before we go to the nation. So, and you just happen to be in that in that general area of that critical mass. You know, it's exciting times. I'll tell you that. And we are definitely small, small but mighty. You know, we're we're a full startup. You know, we've been in business for about three years um, since ideation phase, and we are figuring it out as we go. And it's, you know, we call it building the plane as we're flying, but it's been, we've had a ton of support from the outdoor industry, ton of support from the fly fish industry. And we have a lot of people rallying for us to, to really figure this thing out and unlock it, you know, to its fullest potential. Big things happening with Rare Waters, go to rarewaters.com to book, or at least uh, start to explore an opportunity in the future for uh, fly fishing possibilities here. But uh, RJ, man, we really appreciate you sitting in with us and chatting. And obviously this is something going forward that I think is going to be really big for the uh, fishing industry. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Drew. It's, it's, it's been a wild ride. And if your listeners too want to check out a little bit more about behind the brand and our story. Um, we recently kind of launched our first ever brand story because we haven't really shared our story because we are small and we're startup and uh, we're just we're essentially just getting the word out, you know, to to the industry and beyond. Um, and you can find that easily on on rarewaters.com and you just click on the uh, about us and there's about a six or seven minute video that really goes into depth on who we are, what we're about, and how you can you know access. It's Wyoming, hook it and hunting outdoors. 
It's Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors. And right here in Wyoming, we uh, have a proud hunting, fishing, outdoor heritage. And there are lots of local companies here that are really making the outdoor uh, experience even better. And Deer Creek Arms is one of those. Uh, and we have Jaden with us, and man, you guys are developing some stuff right here in Wyoming that really is a game changer. I, I appreciate you saying that. Those shotgun caliber adapters, they're not uh, not necessarily a new product, but our twist is pretty new. I haven't seen anyone else's that, do, uh, that does them this way. Ours are safe for use in you know semi-auto and pump actions. Um, there's adapters out there, but break action only for those. We've finally got the head spacing figured out. You know, it's been two years worth of R&D on these things. And um, I couldn't tell you how many feet of bar stock <laughs> making these prototypes. I got a big old box of them sitting over here. Um, <laughs> ought to sell them for scrap here before too long, but I'm too attached to them all. <laughs> <laughs> right. You put a lot of time, sweat, and tears into that. When uh, You only knew. Let's go back to the beginning a, a little bit. And, and what was it that made you decide, yeah, you know what? I, I think I can do this. Man, shoot, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> some days you wonder why. Um, <laughs> a couple of years ago, I, you know, I, I've always had a real passion for firearms. I think I like, I think I like guns more than I like shooting them. If that makes any sense, right? To you. Oh yeah. And uh, I also like machining. I'm a machinist by trade. Um, so you put the two together, and you think, well, you know, I can make these. And it was somebody who said to me, you know, I was making muzzle brakes at the time, which we still do. I was making a couple personal breaks and testing them out and whatnot. And he said, you know, you probably sell those. And I thought, well, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and that was kind of the genesis of it all. It has gone up from there. You guys are doing all kinds of research and development. Like you had mentioned, you know, you got hours into it already, but you're not stopping. You're, you're wanting to continue and continue to grow this, this company. Yeah. You know, the way things have been up until now, um, it's been at the very least, you could say a hobby that pays for itself. And how many of those do you find, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> so it's, it's, hasn't, it's not like it's, you know, making me rich or anything, but I really enjoy it. I love, I love machining and I love firearms. I love, I love meeting with people, talking to people, hearing their needs, hearing what, you know, what, what drives them in the outdoors. Uh, we're talking with uh, Jaden Williams from Deer Creek Arms. You can go to their website, deercreekarms.com. And when you do that, you're supporting Wyoming because He's right here in uh, in our area. So uh, you guys have new projects on the line. I mean, I know you already have a couple of different things with the muzzle brakes and the adapters, but are you looking to expand even further? Oh, I'm always jumping on new projects. That's my probably my biggest flaw. Always thinking, oh, I could do that too. Um, <laughs> we've got, uh, got a couple rifles um, in the works. Um, the one that's probably the farthest along is the RDL-23. Um, it's a nine millimeter pistol caliber carbine. We haven't released any images of it yet. Um, we don't want to do anything like that. We want to kind of keep it hush hush until until we can uh, make it through a full mag without any without any malfunctions. Did you develop this from the, the ground up, or did you find a firearm that you're like, ah, oh, I kind of like this. I'm going to add stuff to it. The only thing that's borrowed is a Glock magazine and an AR-15 fire control group. Everything wow. else is done by us my design in-house scratch and then so the the future is to have uh, a line on the market so uh, others can enjoy your work of art that's right that's right 
What's the best way for folks to reach out and, and contact you and, and become part of it? Because really, like I mentioned just a, a couple of minutes ago, when they support you, they're supporting Wyoming because you're right here and everything is is made right here in America and Wyoming. Well, it's all made right here and it's made with domestic materials we source here in Wyoming too. Um, you know, they're, they're, it's hard sometimes finding the specialty steels and things that you need, but we... We go out of the way to do that here in Wyoming because as a Wyoming business, we can appreciate and understand trying to compete against everybody else across the whole world. Um, manufacturing so interlinked these days that uh, you got to, you got to support, you got to support local. But as to the point of, you know, how to contact us, you know, DeerCreekArms.com, go to the website. There's a contact section there. Hit us up. Let us know what your thoughts are. You know, if you're looking on there at products and you see some you don't like, I'm real easy to work with. I love a, I love a one-off job. Um, gives me another reason to buy another tool. <laughs> right. <laughs> do you make like the the muzzle brakes and the adapters? Do you make them to order, or I mean, can people contact you today and and be able to get it really soon? Um, depends what it is and depends what our stock is at. Um, things have kind of been going kind of going off the chain lately, and we are getting a little bit closer to that. Um, <laughs> made to order scenario. Um, we try to keep a little bit of stock, but there are some things that, you know, just kind of fly, um, you know, and we're working with small batch numbers, so it's not like things are going real crazy. Right. Um, the past week has just been nuts though. <laughs> As everybody's getting ready for their, uh, their elk and, and deer and antelope seasons, right? That's what I figure. I tell you what, I got a contact the other day from a fella in france looking to buy adapters yeah that's what i said wow man <laughs> they, that was real cool to see that we're reaching folks that you know all the way across the pond there yeah that that's <laughs> awesome to see that uh you know a wyoming based company going worldwide you know i mean i love seeing small business succeed folks need to come over and check you out again it's at deercreekarms.com check out the muzzle brakes they're really cool and you know, you can tell they, they've got your, you know, kind of signature to them. What I'm most proud of isn't necessarily the brakes themselves. It's the price that we can make them for. Um, the markup, if you guys only knew the markup on stuff in the firearms industry, you'd, you'd never buy anything again. You'd buy a lathe and build it yourself. <laughs> right. um, I'm, I'm especially proud of the effectiveness at the price that we offer. That's that's where I really take joy in, in what I do. Fantastic. Jaden... Fantastic. Jaden Williams from Deer Creek Arms, DeerCreekArms.com to find out about the brakes, the adapters, and the future of the rifles that are being made. And Jaden, we appreciate it. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors with Drew Kirby. If you have a question, want to make a comment, or have an idea for a show topic, message us on the My Country mobile app. Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors.